0: Good morning, family. Always good to have some surprises, hey, in the house of God. You never know what you will see next week. Amen. We have a 93-year-old gogo in the church. I mean, blown away by that. Wow. She still comes to church. We have no excuse to come to church. On this note, I want to take time to welcome those who are visiting with us for the first time. If it is your first time at Every Nation Rosebank, just raise your hand wherever you are. We want to welcome you. First time guest, please raise your hand and keep your hands raised. Keep your hands raised, the ashes are going to get to you with uh, our pamphlets. Yeah, the ashes are going to try and multitask this morning, doing offering and welcoming our guests, but thank you for being with us. After the service, uh, through the glass doors to the left, we have tea and coffee, uh, we get to meet with you, you meet with us, and we want to tell you a little bit more about every nation, Rosebank, and every nation, Johannesburg. Friends, a quick uh, announcement before I introduce our speaker today. On the 26th of May, two weeks' time, we have our AGM, our annual general meeting. In case you think that the service is just going to be about borrowing finances, no. We'll be celebrating what God has done in the previous year. And also, we will be looking at the finances where we give you an opportunity to to ask and to see how we steward the finances of this church. So please be here on the 26th, and uh, we will also have the word on that day. So it's not just going to be AGM. Great stuff. It is my joy, honor, and pleasure to introduce a dear friend, Gareth Stead, hailing all the way from Cape Town. All the Cape Capetonians, who, those who studied at UCT, yeah, I see you guys. You know Gareth. Uh, Gareth and Wendy have been married 24 years, um, have four children, very close to getting the chocolate for your wife this morning. And um, uh, they were part of the founding group of students of his people in the early days, 1988, when his people were started, uh, they have served in this ministry all these years. Gareth worked at Old Mutual before going into full-time ministry 21 years ago. Um, thank God that God does call actuaries into his work. So Gareth uh, came from that difficult uh, career to come and be a pastor, which is a very easy career. Um, <laughs> Gareth and Wendy led Every Nation and One City Congregation for the past 15 years before handing over the baton last year. He is currently leading a nation-building portfolio for every nation nationwide, every nation Southern Africa. His heart is to see people take the way and will of God into every sphere of society. He's passionate about reconciliation, nation-building in Africa. He's an avid reader and enjoys the outdoors. I want to say one more thing about Gareth. Gareth is the one man that I will take going to war. And we've already done that. Last year when we went to Parliament, I call it the Lions Then I had Gareth right next door to me. Gareth, thank you for being with us this morning and thank you for just your passion for nation building. If you didn't know the series we've been doing, Gareth put it all together for us. Welcome and give us the word. Well,
1: thank you so very much. And it's really good to be with family. Um, it's tough to be away on Mother's Day, but I said to our kids, because they're a little bit older now, I said, this is a, a changing of the God. Your know, Mother's Day was like my job. Yeah. You're on. <laughs> so a little phone call letter. so how's it going? <laughs> but uh, yeah, just honor all the, the mothers that are the rock of this nation. And um, yeah, it's a special day today. And, um, and we're going to continue to speak into the heart of our nation. Um, I just loved being part of the series, what, what the Bible Says About Government, and Korsi Sikalela, hashtag South Africa. And, and today we, we wanted to really speak into the heart of the nation, uh, the South Africa we are believing God for. So I just want you to know that you have family in Cape Town if you're ever there. Um, we bring greetings from all our congregations there. We just, we re- really walk hand in hand with you guys. Um, it's just such a joy to know Simon and Lindy and many members of this team and have friends in this church as well from the decades, and as Simon says, from going to war together. And, um, and it's, it's great to engage Floyd Shavambu in Parliament, and um, even, even though he slipped out during a very important part of Simon's presentation. So we had to remi- remind the Honorable Shabambu that he, m- he mustn't come and speak out of ignorance. He must listen to what the pastors are trying to say. And, um, and yeah, so can we just pray? Lord, we bring our nation to you on this, this Sunday after the elections. Lord, we thank you for our leaders and we pray for them. We pray that you would give them wisdom that your hand would be upon every single one of them, our president, our, our premiers, new and old. Oh God, would you guide their hearts? Lord, we believe that you're, you're the one who can shape and shift the heart of the king and direct it any way you choose. So would you direct their hearts in line with your plan for South Africa? And Lord, would you help us to play our part, not just by praying for them, but also giving counsel and playing our role in society. And so as this word goes forth today, Lord, I pray that, as we have sung already, that your name would be lifted high, that I would decrease. Lord Jesus, may you increase. And Lord, would you speak your very word through me, I pray, in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Amen. Would you turn with me um, to the book of Genesis? We're going to get there in a couple of minutes. I just want to say a few words of introduction. We're going to look at the life of Joseph today, but just to just to affirm we are here to pray for our governments you know 1 Timothy 2 verse 2 says we are to pray for those in authority so we're going to do this as we close the service i think there's some powerful prayers we can add to that that which i've just prayed and also 2 Chronicles 7:14 i want to preach this message and then land it with this verse we're praying for God to heal our land and there are a lot of things that need a lot of work. The election hasn't changed anything. It's just changed certain, it hasn't really even changed key positions, but certain MPs have changed, and, but, but the challenges are still the same as they were a few days ago. And God is at work. There, there's, a, there's a transition we're going through. And we as the people of God need to be leading that transition. We need to be the salt and light. So we're going to come back to these as we close the, this message. So as you hear this message, just, just identify yourself in it. Every single one of us have got a part to play. And, and as Simon said, we've been talking about what the Bible says about government. If we look at the role of prophets and reformers in society today, it's phenomenal. Just through the biblical records, we see Samuel started to train future social reformers. We see Nathan challenge a king, hold him accountable, called him to repentance when he broke the laws of God. We see Esther turn a king away from acts of wickedness and genocide. The woman who was born for such a time as this. I think that's true of us. Are you born for such a time as this? Do you realize that yet? Deborah was one of the best judges Israel ever had. Ruled She was a prophetess who became a ruler and judged Israel well. That's the biblical record. Nehemiah obtained the king's authority to rebuild Jerusalem. He was a cupbearer. He was a slave. But God used him despite his circumstances. And, And what I love about the Nehemiah story is every household got involved in the project. It wasn't like, okay, that one in authority must now fix all the problems. Everyone played a part. And he got a plan to mobilize people so powerfully. Daniel, I believe you've touched on his life and and what an awesome example of one who was advisor to the king, who became an esteemed governor in a foreign country. But today we look at Joseph, a godly man who ruled so well in a foreign nation that he saved not only that country, but his own home country as well. So let's turn to the story of Joseph in Genesis. And I'm going to paraphrase a lot of this, but I want to read some extracts of his story. And we start in Genesis 37 from verse 12 to 17. And it says here that then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem. Everyone say Shechem. We're going to come back to this name. And Israel said to Joseph, and are you not your, your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, here I am. Then he said to him, please go and see if it is well with your brothers and well with the flocks, and bring back word to me. So he sent him out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was, wandering in the field, and the man asked him, saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I'm seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here, for I heard them say, let us go to Dothan, would you, would you say Dothan? Dothan? Another key name here. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. And we're going to pause there. I'm going to kind of paraphrase from there, but we have to read like another 10 chapters to get the whole story. So we'll do the short version. Okay. Now, if you're not familiar with the story of Joseph, go and spend some time in the, the days and weeks ahead and pour in here There's such revelation here. And I hope God's just going to illuminate some of it to you and inspire you. But those two words we just all said out loud together are key, because Joseph set out to one place, and the word shechem means literally shoulder, but it also has a derivative meaning fellowship. And I love the link with shoulder, because it's like shoulder to shoulder. That's The example of fellowship is, is two fellows in one ship, okay, so... Your shoulders are next to each other. You're walking side by side. That's that's equality. There's comradeship. There's there's relationship. There's dignity. There's you're esteeming each other. You're, it's not one in front of the other, one behind the other, one on top of the other, or under the other. It's side by side, shoulder to shoulder. And and it wasn't just a coincidence that Joseph set out to look for them there. I think God is saying something to to us in the heart of Joseph and the heart of Jacob, his father. He said, I, I long for that relational harmony. Jacob had a, a rough time as a father. I mean, I mean that family was in strife most of his life. He longed for that unity. He longed for that deep harmony. He very seldom got it. It's interesting that his bones were taken to Shechem. He's, he was buried there. He died in Egypt, but he, was, he, he begged and he, he made Joseph swear to him that he would take him back there. And Abraham was buried there. So there was, there's a, this is a significant place in the Bible, and that's another whole message, okay? Joseph set out looking for one place. Instead, he found them at another place called Dothan. And Dothan means two wells. And I Googled two wells. And I thought, wow, there are lots of places in the world today called two wells. There's a nice building over there called two wells. So he, he shocked up, and it's just the name of a place. But, but I don't think anything is in Scripture by accident, because at Dothan, he was betrayed. At Dothan, his brothers just couldn't take it anymore. This guy, they were jealous of him. They were angry with him. They thought he was the favored one. Long story as well, but they basically said, we are going to kill you. But for the intervention of the older brother, they spared him his life and sold him as a slave. He was thrown into a pit. Dothan was not a nice place for Joseph. Joseph. And these two wells, I believe, speak to us of the choices from then. In every phase, Joseph enters four phases of his life from then on. This is the first phase. Okay, his childhood maybe is actually the first phase. But this is, this is the first phase I want us to highlight here. And he has to choose to drink from one of two wells. And you see in his life, he can drink from the well of bitterness. Or he can drink from the well of forgiveness. I believe that's the well of reconciliation. I believe God has us as a nation at Dothan once more. And we can drink from the well of bitterness. And there's a lot that goes, there's anger, there's resentment, there's frustration. There's a lot of pain that draws us to the well to say, I can't take it anymore. I'm just, I'm done. Where is God in my pain, in my story? And I want to appeal to you today that, that let's look at the life of Joseph. If anyone was justified to drink of that well, it was him. And he chose to drink from the well of forgiveness. And he chose to see God in his pain, God in his story. And he had to choose that several times. And because he did that and continued through these four phases of his life, he was able to lead his family into their destiny. He was able to save entire nations and that whole region of the world. So this first phase is this phase where he, he's put where he doesn't want to be. He's looking for Shechem. He ends up at Dothan, and he has to choose. Now, what I did? these brothers have just rejected me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reject them back. I'm gonna get angry with him. I'm gonna reject God too. How could God let me do, let this happen to me? He, he, he's shackled as a slave, sold. His life is worth nothing. And the hardship, the pain, just a phenomenal thing but but i'm using this phrase he's put there yes he's put by his brothers there but sovereignly he's put by god there and this is the part of the bible story that's hard to preach on because like yes where was god why didn't god stop the brothers and just said this isn't right Obviously, this is their sinfulness. This is their total fallenness and depravity just manifesting to reject their own brother. But if we, if we see Joseph, he has what I like to call a put-me-anywhere attitude. I'm gonna ask you, do you have a put-me-anywhere attitude? Because this word put comes from Genesis 2 verse 15 where it says to our, our common ancestor, Adam, God took him and put him In the garden, he didn't come to Adam and say, Would you like to live here? Would you know, you there's some things in life that you don't get to choose, they are chosen for you. I believe who you marry should be chosen by God. I mean, God likes you to have a say in it in the process, okay? You don't get to choose what family you're born into, you don't get to choose what nation you're born into, it's chosen for you. You don't, you shouldn't actually choose your local church, you should let God. Choose your local church, okay? Again, that's another whole story, okay? So God takes us and puts us, but then there are a lot of things God wants us to choose, and he gives us the freedom of choice. But but we need to start with God's choice before we get onto our rights and choices. And this word put means to rest, to allow, to find rest, to lay down, there you see it. And, you know, when we respect God's choices for us, we say, God, you have put me in this nation. You've put me amongst this people for such a time as this. Then we'll find rest. But when we keep questioning God's choices, you're going you're gonna to be restless. Because we need to trust that God is the God that Isaiah spoke of in 48 verse 17. That I'm the Lord who knows what is best for you and who leads you in the way that you should go. And, and if you do that, then you say, okay, God, I trust your choices. And I will then get my attitude right I'm going to have an attitude like Joseph. You can put me anywhere. Did you just say that? That's a very dangerous prayer to pray. Okay, are you ready to pray a dangerous prayer with me? I mean, I've got a history, a record of praying dangerous prayers. Let me tell you, God answers prayers in faith that if you say, God, put me anywhere, maybe He's going to change your job. Maybe he's going to introduce you to someone that he wants you to get married to who might not be the easiest person to get on with at first. (laughs) But you're meant for each other. You're meant to bring out the strength and the best in each other. Maybe God will send you to another nation to be part of a church planning team. It'll be tough ground. But if you say, God, put me anywhere. The easy ground is taken. It's the hard ground that's left. And there's a lot of hard ground left in this nation. And so we need to say, God, put me anywhere. I mean, we prayed that prayer at the beginning of 2016 as we listened to students and the Roads Must Fall movement at UCT. We sat down with students to tell us why this thing has just taken over the campus. We heard the stories of pain. And I prayed a prayer. I said, God, you can put me anywhere in this story. By the end of that year, we were linking hands with church leaders leading the Fees Must Fall protest to parliament. They asked us to lead. We just came to serve, and just to make sure there, there was going to be peace, and the police weren't going to break the law, and, and the protesters wouldn't get out of hand. And, and then they said, no, can you guys go to the front, please? I think they, they realized we'd be soft targets, you know, just safety from those <laughs> stun grenades. And it, just, it was more strategic than it was, but it was still, there was still a lot of honor in it. It was like our leaders are here, cross-spectrum of the Church of Cape Town. All different denominations. And a lot of people question that. Why? Why did you do that? Well, Provin Gordon came out to receive the memorandum. And, um, and unfortunately, things didn't end peacefully. And that was mainly because a lot of these church leaders got tired. It was like three hours later. So, Yo, this is a long time to stand in the front with all these speeches at this rally. But we, we said, God put us anywhere. Even in the midst of pain. Even in the midst of, of a cry for justice. Help us discern what you are doing. Joseph was put where he didn't want to be. And, and, and he said, okay, Lord, I'm going to forgive. I'm going to drink from the well of forgiveness. I long for Shechem, but if, you, if you're going to take me a long way to get there, God, you, you better know what you're doing. I'm going to trust you. And then he enters phase two. He gets sold into Potiphar's house. And it's a phenomenal thing. If you, Just a quick paraphrase here. He prospers in part of his house. And, he, and then, what, what, what does he get for that? He gets accused falsely of sexual harassment, thrown into prison for being an, an upright godly man, for running from sexual temptation. His thanks is prison sentence. He's in jail behind bars. But he does that again. He, God prospers him in that prison. If we read this passage, and for the sake of time, I can't read it all out now because this clock is running on me. And but if you if you were to go into Joseph's prison cell, let me tell you, I'm pretty sure I don't see it between I, I mean I read it between the lines. That cell was probably its ship-shaped condition. Bed neatly made. He was up early, praying to God, trusting God. Why can I say that? Because the prisoner, the the the, the warden gave him the keys to not just his cell, but The whole of the jail, he said, you do such a good job. I can see God is with you. That was his put me anywhere attitude. Put me in jail, I'm going to prosper there. Even jail doesn't stop God from being with me. You know, I don't see many prisons in South Africa today where the warden hands out the keys. This is a radical thing that's happening here. There's a spirit of excellence on this man. If he had drunk from the well of bitterness, let me tell you, he would have been angry. He would have been mad. He, that would have manifested in how he looked after himself and that prison cell, and he wouldn't have been given the keys to the jail. But God is at work. There's a destiny God is preparing him for. And he, he keeps drinking well from the well of forgiveness and reconciliation in faith that God has not forgotten him, that God has not neglected him. I mean, if we think of the modern day Joseph, it has to be Madiba. I mean, you know, when, when 27 years in prison and matter of almost days, okay, it was a couple of years, but it felt like days. Out of prison, then he was on the throne. 27 years, and he, he was tempted to drink from the well of bitterness. He could have come out there a bitter man. He could have all led us down a path of destruction. It's, it's time for revenge. Yeah. It's payback time. If it wasn't for him, we would have had a lot more bloodshed than we had. And, and what did he do when he was in prison? He converted his prison cell into a library. Yeah. That's a put-me-anyway attitude. Yeah. I mean, in, in his autobiography, I was so impacted by that part where he says, At night, our prison hall looked more like a library hall than a prison cell. They, him and his comrades passed degrees. They, they challenged each other to progress, to grow, not to waste the time. Now, we might not be in literal prisons today, but maybe you're feeling the pressure of, of confinement of your circumstances, your economic circumstances, or social circumstances. If God has put you in tough circumstances, don't be tempted to drink from the wrong well. Don't give up on God because God is with you. He has not forgotten you. If you choose right like Joseph did, let me tell you, if you can turn your circumstances around and and make it a place of learning, a place of growth rather than a a place of suffering and pain, let me tell you, God might take you from there to the throne in a day because that's what he did next. In phase three of Joseph's life, he's on the throne literally in a day. And, and yes, there was a two-year delay when he thought his time was come. And then he asked the one cup. He said, don't forget me when you go. And what did the guy do? He forgot it. Another two years, an extended sentence because of human error. And once again, he could have got so mad. He said, I interpreted the dreams for the cupbearer and, and the baker, and they forgot me. I'm I'm done with dreams. But two years later, what was it? It was a dream. He could have gone to the wrong world and said, I am never going to interpret anyone's dream ever again. Look what happened. They forget me. They get promoted. I get left behind. Instead, he said, God, <laughs> yuck, there's a lot of humor in this world. This world is messed up. But do you know what? God, I thank you that you are not a man that you should lie. You're still on the throne of above all thrones. And they're just still with me, even though man's forgotten, you haven't. My brothers have forgotten me. My own friends in prison have forgotten me. I mean, if ever there was a guy who could have wallowed in his self-pity, this is the man. And he points us to Jesus. Because Jesus did the same on the cross. He said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He has Joseph saying, okay, I'll drink from this well, Father. I'll drink from the well of forgiveness. Not just asking for it, but giving it longing for reconciliation. And, and in that time, I mean, he turns a nation around. In, in this phase three of his life, of being on the throne, in 14 years, he turns a nation, an African country, into the world economic superpower. Gets a plan from God, implements the plan, and within 10 years, it's sorted. The last four years, it's just administration. Are there Josephs in the house today? Are there Josephinas in the house today? Because let me tell you, in 10 years' time, we could be out of this wilderness and in the promised land. But we can't look to one person. Like, this is where the Joseph story breaks down for us. But who knows? Maybe. I mean, maybe it will be a, a Joseph figure who then allows everyone to play their part and implement a plan. I'm not giving up on this dream. I don't know about you. But I'm, there's a South Africa we are believing God for. And it's worth believing for. It's worth laboring for, not just in prayer, but in action. And we've all got a part to play. And then what happens in phase four? He then eventually gets what he wants. He is put eventually where he wanted to be. He gets Shechem. He doesn't go there literally. His brothers come to him. He's reconciled with them. They weep. It says he threw his arms around Benjamin and wept. Kissed all his brothers. Wept over them. They, were, they felt so guilty, so ashamed because of what they had done. He had to work real hard to try and lift the shame off of them. And again, that's Jesus. Jesus is the only one who can lift the shame because he knows the pain. He's been there. He's suffered. He says, okay. And Joseph says this powerful thing. He says, what you did for evil. God is used for good. Because, because he was drinking from the right well all through his life. He could say that if, if he drank from the wrong well, he wouldn't have been able to say that. He would have just said, Yo, now you want forgiveness? Now? Where have you been for the last 20 years of my life? But he didn't. He said, God, you compensate you're a redeemer. That means you can buy back even human mistakes. Even the depravity that causes us to hurt one another, harm one another, be selfish and greedy. You can even redeem that. And, and, and that breaks God's heart and, and bring that around. You can redeem a life. It's never too late for God to turn a life around. So I, I want to do something significant today as a as a. Closing prayer, but also a declaration over us as a people and as a nation. And I know we're a local church here gathered under God, under the rule of Christ. But I I want us to be prophetic this morning and say, let's be South Africa. Let's be even beyond South Africa, because we're many nations here. Some of us have come from other nations for such a time as this. And there's, this, like Joseph, there's this connection between two nations. We've almost got two homes, a home away from home and our original home, and, and we love them both. And, and I want I wanna, to, this is, this is like a prayer, okay? I'm not going to pray, make it sound all like a prayer, but it is a prayer. It's a declaratory prayer, but the first part is a prayer of lament over the brokenness, the wilderness that we're in. We're not in the promised land. We might have celebrated 25 years of political freedom, but where's the economic freedom? Where's the social freedom? Are we all enjoying spiritual freedom? Because that's the source of all freedom. We need every form of freedom. And, and, and political freedom is not going to get us everything. It's just going to give us something. So this is, and what I want you to do is, if as you hear a part of the lament, and then it's a prayer of faith that that is, it's declaring hope and faith for what I believe we are as a as a family of churches and the whole of the body of Christ. I believe in South Africa, longing for and praying and believing for. But if there's a part of it that that is personal to you, saying, "Yo, that strikes a chord in my heart," I'm going to ask you to stand up as as you hear it being prayed or said. Would you do that? Now, you probably might find more than one of those things. I hope you find at least one. If perhaps you don't find one, maybe it's because it all rings a chord, okay? So if you right at the end, you still haven't stood up, that's okay. In fact, maybe you don't want to stand up. Maybe you just want to sit down and say, but that's in your heart. You're saying, that's me. I actually want to kneel down. I don't want to stand up. So whatever you feel comfortable with. Okay, so our lament today is over the state of our nation. We are a broken people. We need God to heal our broken land. We lament the bloodshed. The bloodshed of our history continues today. The gangs that take people out, the factional battles for political power, more than 100 people have been killed. Over battles for political power in the last few years. The crimes that are committed that that rob us of human dignity. We lament poverty and unemployment. We lament broken households that have crippled our communities. We lament idolatry that we commit when we idolize government and ask government to fix everything for us. We repent, Lord, of that idolatry. We lament the idolatry we commit when we worship the God of money, materialism, greed, and selfishness. We repent of this idolatry. We lament that our rainbow dream is is lying in tatters. We we ask you, Lord, to revive the rainbow dream. Like Joseph, when he wore that coat of many colors, we ask you, Lord, that we could pick that up again. Even though brothers of our our own flesh and blood, our own fellow citizens have taken that coat and thrown it in the dust, we ask you, Lord, to give it back to us. As a nation, we're crying out to you because this is the South Africa, God, we are believing for. We are believing you, Lord, for a South Africa where there is revival and reformation. With every individual, every household, every man, woman, and child, Lord God, may in South Africa be a place where the word of God washes over the hearts and minds of everyone, where the gospel is proclaimed and everyone has an opportunity to choose to follow you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we are believing you for a South Africa with strong families. Lord, restore the family on this Mother's Day. Lord, would you turn away the tide of violence against women and children? Would you strengthen the family? Lord, we see a future where the families are strong. The building blocks of society are restored. Lord, we ask you for economic freedom for all. Lord, we are believing you. For us, South Africa, Lord, where there, there is enough, Lord, there are enough resources here. Lord, we're asking you to lower the unemployment rate. We're asking you to restore the role of everyone in business, in church, in government, in civil society, NGOs, and the profit sector. Oh, God, would you create the jobs through the giftedness of your people, through entrepreneurship, Lord, through Plans like Joseph God, Lord, we proclaim Joseph's and Josephine is in this house today to arise, to get the blueprint from heaven, and to implement a plan where everyone can prosper. And don't leave anyone behind. Lord, we are believing you for a South Africa that has godly leaders in government. Lord God, we're trusting you that in our midst today is a future political leader of note. Ward counselors. MECs, premiers. Oh God, if it be your will, may a future president of this country come from the loins of this house. Even if we are going to give birth to them or raise them up in the ways of God. Lord, let godly leaders arise from our midst. Lord God, we pray for a South Africa where there is care for the vulnerable. Surely, God, you have not forsaken the widow and the orphan. The, the prisoner, the naked, the homeless, the hungry. Lord Jesus, you're going to judge our nation on how we cared for these people. Oh, God, would social welfare rise? Lord, let's not outsource that to department and government. God, let the church play her role. Let civil society play her role. Let business play its role. Lord, we believe in you for South Africa where ethnic reconciliation models the way. Lord, surely this is your redemptive plan for South Africa, where every tribe and every tongue and every ethnic group that makes up this rainbow land comes together to worship you. Lord, to walk side by side, to love one another, to be a model to the nations. Lord, our prayer is that we would be a blessing to the nations. In the
0: name of Jesus.